G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 16 Preview Edition uh, and we are in the depths of winter in Melbourne town. Crisp morning, very, very foggy though and that's how you always know it really is the middle of the year. Plenty of footy stuff to talk about and warmers up. However, as I say, very good morning to my co-host Mark Fine. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. Catching other sport as well. Some oh, tennis. There's no cricket. shortage of it, is there? Nick Kyrgios. If, if he was playing for my football team yeah. and played the way he played tennis, yeah. I would be leaning over the fence and getting kicked out of Marvel Stadium yeah. for player abuse. Yeah, no, I'm sick of talking about him, so let's not. Um, Sponsors, though, I'm always happy to talk about. Talk about them. Let's talk hamburgers. Andrew's Hamburgers, 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park, 80 years this year, celebrating, well, since I've been around, they've been known as the quintessential Melbourne hamburger. and They're that, the burger's burger. They are. They're mm. the burger that hamburgers would eat yep. if hamburgers got hungry. Yeah. Which is an odd concept. Yeah, it is. Yeah, at about 8.30 in the morning it is, certainly. But they're great guys... Greg Metropolis down there and a couple of Gregs and a an army of willing burger makers, burgermeisters, you'd call them. This is how big they are. They've actually got sort of a patty department, a bun department, yeah. a um, lettuce it's, department. In America, there'd be the um, – no, nobody in America is just a, an employee. It's vice president in charge of patties. Yeah. Oh, that or, sounds like the AFL these days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you that the vice president or the president in charge of construction at Nick Spartels and Hardwick Bilko are the two principals. And Nick Spartels, of course, a great supporter of this podcast, loves it, loves when Carlton is winning, so that even makes him a keener listener and located in the inner southeastern suburbs of Melbourne and your man Dyson Heppel has a house by Nick and Scott Pendlebury and Mike Sheehan, just to name a few football identities. They are the uh, building company's builders. That's right, if a house wanted to build a house. And uh, I've got some exciting news too, Finey, because we have a new sponsor on board and thus we have more prizes to give away for our weekly competition. And I speak of Argun Sports Towels. I've checked them out. They are impeccably packaged. They are 100% organic cotton imported. They are the prince of sports towels. So uh, no inferior product uh, passes the desk here at Footyology. So uh, they are on board. And now when you enter our weekly competition, um, the prize pack has burgeons. So you get an Andrews Hamburgers t-shirt, a cap, and you get a beautiful organic cotton Argun sports towel so make sure you enter all right enough plugging um we better talk some footy so let's do that 
on Footyology Newsfeed. Newsfeed breaking exclusive. I can reveal sources indicate. I don't know why I do that every week. It just sort of gives you an idea how cynical I am about the whole concept of news. But there is some important stuff to talk about. And probably, I think, since we last spoke to you, probably the biggest or most significant story is the um, unfortunate withdrawal from AFL football for the time being, again, of uh, Collingwood's Dane Beams, who, um, not for the first time, has some mental health issues and has stepped back from the playing arena and um, sad in one respect obviously but uh, encouraging in another respect that these sorts of issues now are being um, brought out into the public domain by the people involved and without a sense of you know shame or like there's any um, uh, you know like there's something that should yeah stigma good word good word um, so what what have you made of Dane Beams? Well, he was public in saying that he has found it very hard to come to terms with his father's passing. And I'm surprised still at a level of cynicism that exists regarding player mental health. If a player announced to the football world that they had leukaemia or... You know, a serious disease mm. that they were taking time away from football. There would be an outpouring of support, and there would be absolutely no second guessing as to the nature of the illness. Mm. But with mental health, which is as real as debilitating, as serious as physical injuries, as injuries that let's call them traditional injuries, as illnesses. Mm there is still this level of cynicism that it's a crux, that there's something being hidden, etc., etc. And I can assure you that if an individual comes out publicly and talks about their state of mental health, they do so after a lot of internal internal struggle and probably a lot of private battles before they even told their club about it. So that level of cynicism... Still remains, but hopefully the Dane Beams and Jack Stephen, his case of this world, will peel back peel back further layers. Well, what I wanted to say about that was we we brought this up the other week, and that is that um, all these things are sort of often interconnected. So, if a player withdrew um, from playing football because they said they had a substance problem or they had a gambling problem. Um, to me, you know, the, the it's highly likely that that is as good as them saying, well, I have a mental health problem. You know, like we were talking, that's right, it was the Bomber Thompson stuff and we are talking about the, you know, drug uh, issues and mental health issues go hand in hand. It's not necessarily one or the other, you know, and, and I think the, the cynicism is... Um, a function of a lot more of these cases coming under the public eye. So it's sort of a lot of people start saying, oh, well, everyone, that's everyone's favourite calling card now. But, you know, once upon a time, maybe 10 years ago, a person who now uh, says, oh, I've got mental health issues, they they might have, uh, they might have ended up, or the, no, they wouldn't have come out and said it, but the reporting might have been more of a substance 
problem. Now, yeah, I, I can see what people are thinking here. I'm in no way sort of implying that Dane Beams has those sorts of issues. But they all go hand in hand. So, you know, I, I'd hope that with stuff like this, one, people get a, a clearer view of just how widespread in the community these sorts of issues are, but also that, um, you know, uh, addiction is a sign of a mental health issue, you know, and, or, and, and it's chicken or the egg. You know, does a, a mental health issue drive someone to addiction or does addiction drive someone into a mental health issue? And, you know, the, the, you have to take a more sort of holistic approach to mental health. There's a variety of reasons that people have mental health issues. And um, there's a variety of ways in which mental health issues manifest themselves. So I would hope that as an extension of this, if someone does turn around and or not either someone sort of concedes that they have a substance problem or a gambling problem or whatever that we'd be more empathic than we were. I mean, I've got my doubts that would happen because people just love to sort of, you know, sick the slipper in. But uh, to me, all these things are connected. Well, first of all, the World Health Organisation has stated, and this goes back now quite a few years, that addiction is an illness and in and of itself requires treatment. So they cannot be separated. That is a type of mental health issue in and of itself, whether it's a chicken or egg or just a standalone problem. There will still be, and you know, you can just hear it ringing in your ears, suck it up, princess, or, Mm. you know, drink a cup of concrete, beams, harden the F up. It's old world thinking. And it's, it's, remember, it was only 10 years ago, or maybe 15 years ago, that we were sending players back onto the field after they were concussed and, mm. you know, just get out there and play the game out, mate, and stop whinging. We need to be cognizant of the fact that the brain is an organ with, obviously, a great deal still to be understood. And whether it's injured by the physical act of playing football or whether there are issues surrounding its functioning beyond the football field, know this, that, and this is a fact, despite it being located right between our ears, we know less of and have mapped less of the human brain than we have of the moon and of Mars. It, it, it remains uh, a mystery contained in all of us. So for people to come out and just say, you know, get over it, mate, shows an ignorance that doesn't match up to the calendar date. Well, I'd suggest a lot of people that would say something like that are the sorts of people who probably, um, (laughs) were they to delve deeper, would find uh, plenty of uh, mental health issues themselves. Now, on a more positive uh, side of the mental health ledger, um, we have the imminent return to football at VFL level, at least, of Majak Door, and that was a real... Good news story, wasn't it? It was, and I uh, heard his a North Melbourne medico charged with the responsibility of his physical recuperation after that very serious incident on Balty Briggs, was it? Yep. And he said that he would he's shocked at the rate of recovery yeah. of Nagjack Dor, and he was 
timelining his return to football, not expecting it to be this year, and said that he was not expecting Magjack Daw to be fully mobile in terms of walking at this stage. Mm. But we know he is a magnificent physical specimen and uh, more power. Now, there is a direct correlation, by the way, between exercise and good health and good mental health. Mm. And that seems to have gone hand in hand for Magjack, who is in a much better place, having probably used the exercise and the regimen set in place for his physical recovery to aid in his mental health recovery. Yeah, and and that's the other element to it, I suppose. When he did that press conference during the week, there was, um, you know, sort of oblique references in stories around it about the mental health aspect to the story. And absolutely, I mean, I get it, you know, but I guess people would like to know, gee, what could be so terrible in your life that you, you'd driven to where he was. I suppose the one thing I hope is that he isn't sort of um, hassled about that or the interest the interest doesn't become more focused on, you know, finding out exactly what happened than his footy because, you know, maybe in time he, he will feel in a good enough place or comfortable enough to talk about that and maybe he won't and, and, and that's fine and that's totally his call and um, you know, we we don't have the automatic right to delve into someone's private life just because they're an AFL footballer. So, but also clinical depression is a mental health. It's it's a mental illness that is not dependent on your circumstances. And for people to turn around for sufferers of clinical depression, or which I we can't assume, but there seems to be an inference that that is at the core of Mag Jack's episode on Balti Bridge. For people to turn around and say, what's he got to worry about? AFL football, a big money, everything going for him. Mm. Serious clinical depression hits and sufferers may be in a position of financial security. They may, oh. may have everything going for them well, externally. Well, you know, what about half the rock stars in the world, you know, that, that end up with substance abuse. I mean, this gets back to the point I'm making. Yeah, I mean, it's it's often, you know, success can be a precursor to mental health issues. Yeah. Um, but, again, the, the black dog, as it's referred to, the cloud that comes over people, mm. they, has been directly linked to a genetic predisposition, and it is a mental health illness that strikes somebody as mysteriously as previously mentioned leukemia. Yep, and and that's and that's the way. Hopefully, one day there'll be that automatic uh, assumption. It is, um, it's an illness, just as in a, a more physical manifestation of of symptoms are. And and we also learn it's not just uh, depression that people also and connected to depression is ASD or anxiety stress disorder, mm. and that some people do suffer. A lot of people suffer various levels of anxiety, some of it debilitating. All right, well, let's um, let's move on. The other story that sort of bobbed up, uh, well, probably in the last 24 hours and was extinguished effectively um, pretty soon after it bobbed up um, was this speculation about Orazio Fantasia and his uh, potential return to his native South Australia. Now, it was an interesting one. It's a story that appeared on the AFL uh, website about, I think, mid-afternoon yesterday. And by 
sort of early evening or very late afternoon, I think not only had the story been sort of debunked by his management, but Fantasia himself was doorstopped um, at the club and gave his take on it. And um, I didn't see what he had to say, actually, but uh, I I read what he said. And, uh, you know, clearly the rebuttals were effective enough to, in the eyes of the media, basically have extinguished this story. The other element to it is that we were talking, um, it was Mark McGowan on the uh, AFL website. I mean, it wasn't necessarily suggesting an imminent return to South Australia, was it? So, I mean, at what point is this, the idea of a guy from WA or South Australia going home again? You know, maybe not now, but in a couple of years. Like, at what point does that sort of cease to become a story and you just go, yeah, well, you know, it could have been the case 30 years ago with any player from another state. Yeah, was this the flying of a kite by Mark McGowan? I heard him speak on SEN about the aftermath of this. Uh, Orazio Fantasia was doorstopped by Julian DeStoop and Tom Brown, and he was asked two questions, and they were, are you intending to leave Essendon at the end of this season? He said no. And then the follow-up question was, uh, are you angry at the report? What did he say to that? No, not particularly. Just no. had a bit of. He said, "You know, we had a bit of a laugh. The players <laughs> stirred me up a bit of training. The standard sort of." Response. He's, a, he's a pretty. Uh, we interviewed him on AW a few weeks ago. He's pretty laid back. Well, we 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 saw his nature with the Ben Stratton incident. Oh, and the Fantasia incident. Yeah, he, <laughs> he takes it all in his stride. Yeah, Mark McGowan was. How he, was Mark? He was pretty incensed. Really? At the two questions that were asked, not the first question. Welcome to journalism, Mark. He, not the first question that was, are you leaving at the end of the year? He then expected the follow-up question to be, do you intend to finish your playing days with Essendon or Port Adelaide? And I don't believe that that's necessarily the responsibility of the journalists who doorstopped Orazio, because let's be honest, if you write an article now there is a sense, even though reading it does bore out the fact or bear out the fact that this was not necessarily a question, an article for the present. It was more a sense that in due course with free agency, restricted free agency looming for Orazio, that he might use that to get back home. But if it's brought up mid-season, then I think the implication is that there is a need for this to be acted on this season by Essendon and that Essendon may be having to face the prospect of dealing with Port Adelaide at the end of this year or get nothing for Orazio Fantasia in 2021 when his contract comes uh, to an end. So write the article and do so, obviously, to get some eyeballs onto your work, Mark McGowan, and then it's out of your hands. It's not for you to then orchestrate the follow-up questions or the public reaction. Mm. Yeah, no, well, that's when I say welcome to journalism. I mean, that's... That's life, isn't it? You you often get shot uh, as the messenger. Um, And, you know, look, I I get... I've got a pretty short sort of attention span with contract speculation stories because it it gets to the stage where... I mean, Jesse Hogan, we were talking about whether he was going to stay at Melbourne or go to Perth like two years before his contract ran out. And it just... It gets tiresome, to be honest. So, I mean, you know, I, I could turn to you now and say, you know, do you intend to um, see out your media career with footyology? Yes. 
Oh, I was hoping you'd sort of throw some sort of fly some sort of kite <laughs> where I could speculate that you were going to head off to footy classified or something <laughs> like that. I can just imagine you uh, trading barbs with Caroline Wilson on footy classified. Yeah, no. No I've, further I've, comment? I've traded barbs with her before. Yes, yeah, so have I. I've just uh, about had enough of that, to be honest. We're, maybe we're mellowing. Um, all right, that's enough for news segment. Now, we've got a, a very interesting Media Watch this week, which I'll tell you about uh, right now. On Footyology, Media Watch. All right, bit of a different format this week. Now, it is uh, the week of the uh, biannual, is that twice a year? Yep, the uh, WA. Now, we say Derby because we're from here, but if you're a Western Australian, they get very huffy if you don't say this, Derby between the Eagles and the Dockers. And it is a massive occasion. One, I think we feel like uh, perhaps we don't get a full appreciation of on this side of the country. So I thought, what a good opportunity to talk about the Derby slash Derby and WA football coverage uh, generally, given I'm sure we've got a lot of listeners in Perth, than to have a chat to a Western Australian football journalist, not just a Western Australian football journalist, but Footyology's own columnist and uh, we're very grateful to have him aboard and I speak of none other than Shane Hope. Good morning Shane. Morning guys, thanks for having me. I'm getting pretty hungry now. I haven't had breakfast this morning. You've been talking about hamburgers for five minutes earlier on so I know where I'm going straight after the show today. Oh it's a very wise decision. Finey and I, um, our diets are such that uh, we often kick off the day with a hamburger. It's about 1pm usually. but An Andrew's hamburger. An Andrew's hamburger, not just any old hamburger. So the idea with this is that uh, we just thought we'd we'd talk about the sort of uh, fervour that the now first off can we call it derby without you getting really pissed off <laughs> I won't get shirty with it okay. but uh, you call it you, derby there may be some listeners back in WA yeah. who do get a little bit ticked off but uh, you, no you, you can go with derby I'm, right. I'm fine with it well you say tomato we'll, we'll, we'll say tomato um, we, we know it's big but uh, is the media coverage of the derby sort of completely off the charts yeah absolutely um, it's pretty much all anyone in Perth is talking about during the week. Uh, it probably starts a couple of weeks out. Um, so, for example, this time around, Nick Natanui, when's his comeback happening? It could be in the Derby. So people are talking about this about a month out, that Nick Nat could return in the Derby, potentially against Rory Lobb or Aaron Sandlands if he was coming back as well. So it starts a long way out uh, and continues all the way in the build-up. Uh, Stations, radio stations, TV stations that aren't normally talking about footy will be talking about footy in this week. So I'm talking about your, your standard FM radio stations that are normally talking about the Kardashians or something like that. And yeah. Instead, they're talking about whether Andrew Graff's hamstring is going okay this week or, or whatever. So, do, do FM stations in Perth have triple plays and black funders and prize packs and stuff like ours? Well, used to. A little bit, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Just by the by. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it just goes nuts, basically. And I, I try to um, sort of relate it to East Coast people, and it's similar to State of Origin in Queensland and New South Wales, where that just takes over and club footy is not really an issue for them while it's origin time. That's kind of what it's like in Perth. Everything just takes a backseat to the derby. Because um, if, you, if you're not West Coast, you're, you're Fremantle or the other way around. Yeah. Uh, there are people that follow Victorian sides, but generally... You're one or the other in WA. So a dynamic that we're not that used to in the media here, uh, most 
media pros or a lot of media pros, certainly not Rowan or myself, maybe that means we're not professional, hide their club support under a bushel. But in WA, I imagine that's quite difficult to do. So around derby time, do is it sort of even airtime for a Fremantle person or a West Coast person and everybody is aligned? Is that basically how it's done? Yeah, so uh, it's it's funny when you talk about hiding colours. I think generally it seems to be that newspaper people try to hide it a bit more or, or, or prefer not to broadcast it than TV people and that sort of thing. And, and it's hard in Perth, uh, particularly on radio and TV, where there are a lot of ex-players that are involved so Langdon and Barrett really because they're they're not they're not here at all (laughs) but particularly in prominent positions there Langdon and Barrett for example are are West Coast former players Hazelby and Pavlich are the Fremantle side of things Uh, whereas newspaper and it's funny that the paper that I worked for 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 12 or 13 years the West Australian often gets accused of being pro-West Coast and there's not actually a west coast supporter in that sports department oh really so you're you're funny. free oh aren't you? yeah I, I grew up in in and around east from Annal, so yeah. uh yeah i'm a, a dockers person um which you you cop a bit of flack for as a newspaper person for for having a team i find a lot of the time but of course you have a team everyone does um yeah thank you just you. gotta yeah you just gotta try and stay even with it um yeah so that's that's kind of where it sits with the the colors i guess so um in in terms of the uh, the wackiness, uh, have you got a few sort of examples of of wacky coverage of derbies? Yeah, absolutely. So always involved, and you you like this, Rowan. There's lists involved every time a derby comes around. So obviously, you get your best games, the biggest moments, uh, the best punch ups from from yesteryear, oh, which is no contest. Yeah, no. which has taken a little bit of a turn in the last twelve months. Uh, the biggest con- controversies, courageous moments, Sean McManus going back with the flight of the ball, that sort of thing. But I think derby hysteria and rubbish uh, really peaked in April this year when. My former employer uh, decided to put a big front page story about Eddie Maguire uh, commentating the derby and saying that he's going to ruin the derby simply by commentating it. So for a bit of background, there's a a new editor in charge there and taking a bit of a new direction, turning it a bit more tabloidy. And the funny part about how WA works in this week is that this uh, story or or non-story about Eddie Maguire commentating the derby actually set the agenda for the whole week. Oh, so really? Eddie basically laughed it off on radio over here, thought it was a bit of a joke sort of thing, mm. um, and then started getting requests to do radio over there, oh, responding cool. to the so-called story. This is the, the media reading itself. Yeah, exactly. And the, the WA government, well, Eddie suggested the WA government should actually pay for him to go over there and help promote it back to Victoria and <laughs> that sort of thing, do his show from, from Rottnest Island or Margaret River for the week. Yeah. Um, and it was tongue-in-cheek, a bit of a joke, but that became the story after that. Yeah. Uh, so um, basically, Eddie did the, the radio rounds that lasted for days, and originally it came out of a bit of a nothing yarn, but this is sort of the, the thirst for any sort of footy coverage or derby coverage in the media, um, and I'm not sure how much the fans actually lapped that one up, but that was probably peak peak rubbish for mine when it comes to derby coverage. Yeah, no, good example. Has anybody got that desperate that they hunt down Brendan Fuster or Tony Godden? Um, I'm trying oh, to think. Players of both clubs. Brendan Crummel might have yep. played for both teams. Yep. 
those do they look? Do they try and fo- sort of sound out players who played for both yeah, sides? Yeah, there's, there's a bit of Scotty, that going on. I think on. Scotty Waters played for both. Yep. Dale Kickett definitely did. Sure did. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. There is a bit of that sort of stuff goes on, That's and a, great. a lot of Fire throwback them. stuff. So <laughs> n- nostalgia seems to be a, a yeah, really yeah. big part of it, and that that comes in with the lists and that sort of thing. I noticed a story uh, from Steve Butler yesterday where he'd gone back to talk about when John Warsford was basically in rampage mode, ready to to beat up anyone in purple, and so he'd gone to Winston. Abraham to talk about uh, Wush's mentality back then. So yeah, a lot of that nostalgia stuff really. really da- David Hines. Hines played for both, definitely. Yeah. Yep. Did he? I don't remember him playing for Freya. Yep. Yeah, he did for a little while. Also yeah. played for South Fremantle. Played a, a big role in the '97 Waffle Grand Final win over East Fremantle, which still did, breaks my heart. Oh, I, I had, <laughs> I actually had that game on video, and I'm trying. Oh yeah, I know what Optus Vision was going, and they that was a cracking game. It was. Like, yeah. So um, East Fremantle went about four goals up early yeah. in the last quarter. David Hart kicked a, a Hart bomb played really well. For uh, South, but the yeah. the big issue was Warren Campbell, who played for North Melbourne for a little while. Yeah. He took a mark on half forward, got a push in the back from Scott Spaulding, who briefly played at Carlton. Carlton yeah. um, 50 metre penalty, kicks the winning goal, and South snatched a, a great grand final in the end. And it was played in front of nearly 40,000 people. In the in the late 90s, that's a massive crowd for the waffle. Because uh, East have, have won all the flags and South have been bridesmaids a bit, haven't they? Uh, yeah, South has still won their fair share. Uh, yeah. 16 or 17, oh, I think. Many. Yeah, East right, from Arnold, okay. 29. And then you've got the two Perth, or East Perth and West. Perth in the middle, and then of there's those Perth two. who and never win anything. Well, not since the seventies. Yeah, yeah I think my dad, Barry, Barry, my dad, Barrick for them. <laughs> Barry Cable retired, and Perth haven't done anything since. Well, I, know, I know who's won two or three waffle premierships. Who? Railways. Oh yeah, yeah, Victorians. Yeah, yeah. Was that like, when was that fine? Actually, yeah. can you ask uh, Colin Carter whether the Dockers actually get the old Fremantle and Unions premierships from the eighteen eighties? Does that count? Well, th- this is the obvious flaw in Colin Carter's argument about incorporating the VFA flags into premiership tallies. Um, what, in your memory, like what? What's the silliest? Uh, single sort of photo opportunity or, or TV story or, you know, do you get the newsreaders sort of coming on with scarves on? And it doesn't that? go quite to that extent. That's that's the State of Origin style thing, I reckon, where right. you, you do have them wearing a maroon or sky blue yeah. um, scarf or whatever. You, you don't quite get that in Perth. Um, it's oh, I, I, bet, I guess I, they're both trying to play up. Every news station is trying to play up to both sides, so you don't want to divide yourself. I bet the politicians do it. Absolutely, yes. Don't you love that? The old stagey thing. You know, they do it in Rugby League State of Origin. You get, you know, Scott Morrison and some, uh, you know, Queensland politicians sort of squaring off and going, oh, oh, we're going to beat your side, (laughs) you know. It it hit the heights of absurdity when... Was it Keating, Paul Keating, and his Collingwood scarf? Oh, yeah, Collingwood guys, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trying to tap into the most populous, in the in the most marginal seats, the biggest supporters. Yeah, I'm for Collingwood. Well, people smell a rat, don't they? I remember Kevin Rudd at the uh, 2009 elimination final between Brisbane and Carlton, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it was a terrific game and a great comeback by the Lions but I just remember the cameras cutting to him and it was just so it just yeah any self-respecting footy fan could say this this isn't this isn't genuine um yeah look it, it's an amazing thing well, what for you when you said lists I immediately jotted down best games mm. um I mean the one I think most of us 
remember most obviously. Well, actually, probably the Andrew Gaff one as much as anything now. Mm. But for similar reasons, the uh, demolition derby. Yep. Now, was that 2000 or 2000? Yep. 2000, 2000, 2000. Yeah. I mean, that was... That, in fact, Viney, that could have been just about the last absolute full-on brawl in footy, couldn't it? The, the line in the derby. sand, Essendon. Yeah, oh, the line, line in, in the sand. sand. I mean, yeah. sort of kick it's just insanity. Yeah. Maybe Alastair Lynch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Punching, a lot, of fresh air, punching a lot of fresh air. Yeah. Kick it got nine weeks out of that game. Yeah, he did on a he, few different charges. Yeah. Incidentally, the line in the sand, I just remember more for Campbell Brown hitting a concussed Jason Winderlick as he was coming off the ground, which was pretty tough. So that demolition derby... <laughs> <laughs> got it in, did you, mate? I did. Um, Fremantle were down by uh, six or seven goals at half time in the demo derby, and Clive went nuts in the second half, ended up kicking seven goals. Yeah. Um, some of them were, were cheeky out-the-back ones that just fell into his lap, and some were that Clive brilliance where he plays for five seconds, he just really turns it on, you know? So it was a... And Freo won by a point in the end. It was only the second derby second that actually won. won. Yeah, so, so West Coast won the first, what, 10 or first 11? First nine. Nine, yeah, yeah, and Freo won the second one. Yeah, the uh, other 99. the other guy in that demolition derby, I remember thinking, wow, this guy can go. Uh, Brent Dodd? Uh, Brad Dodd. Brad Dodd, yep. sorry. So he actually gets forgotten a little bit. Well, clearly. Uh, in the, uh, <laughs> I just forgot his Christian name. <laughs> um, he, he didn't play a lot for Fremantle. Played yeah. more, more at East Number Fremantle. Number 12? Yeah. Um, so there's a, a famous photo of Phil Reed getting oh, belted. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually Brad Dodd. So it's always the talk about Dale Kickett smacking yeah. up. Phil Reid, because Phil Reid was in the famous photo. Yeah, well, Phil Reid was a particularly annoying tagger sort yeah. of type, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he performed that role quite well. I think you'd say to a lot of <laughs> a lot of players. Just on a broader level, um, the g- coverage uh, of AFL in WA football media. Anyway, I guess the other question Victorian people would ask is: beyond the WA teams, how much reporting of other stuff is there like does you know if you're a newspaper journal as you were with the west australian and there's a great you know a good story about melbourne or collingwood or north melbourne or whatever will it get much of a run yeah absolutely because footy is the the number one sport in perth um so it always sells and and for example i was based here for the in melbourne for the west australian for the last five years Basically, sending back the big stories from Melbourne back back to Perth. So was, it, was that all? Was that? I mean, I, I seem to remember it being the case. Did the West always have a person stationed in Melbourne for yep. that stuff? Yeah, certainly for for as long as I can remember. So going back to to the nineties, and I, th- I think Mark Duffield started yeah. here in the eighties, even yeah. late eighties. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the West has always had someone based in Melbourne. Until now, they've given it up, and they they take a lot of Herald Sun copy under another uh, copy sharing agreement. Is yeah, how it yeah. works these days. Yeah, there was um, not this story, of course, occurred. In fact, in Australian history, in my in my time, there was the bikey war. There was sort of the Milpera massacre. Yeah, I remember that, and the rumble at the Ramsgate Hotel. Oh, yeah. That was, of course, Josh Carr-inspired post-day showdown. Yeah. 2002. Not, oh, I thought it was... Wasn't it... It wasn't the first one. It was later no, on. later on. Yeah, okay. Have emotions spilt over beyond the boundary? I'm not saying between players. We would have heard of that. But no, between media. Is yeah, that what you're talking about? <laughs> I love yeah. these stories. Yeah, media or... or are there, is there clear delineation where to watch the game? If, if I was wearing a West Coast scarf, would I be 
in mortal danger if I went down to Frio to one of the pubs down there? I, I don't know about mortal danger, but you, you wouldn't want to make too much noise in Fremantle, I think. And it, not so much the other way. So West Coast have a, a, a reach across the whole state. Fremantle is very, very much restricted to its own area, I think. And that's probably changing a little bit in the club's trying to trying to market itself as more of a, a general WA side, I think. But um, certainly there's a very strong link still to the Port City. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to be an Eagles fan too often going in there. But, no, in terms of actual mortal danger, there's not a lot of that. It's a much friendlier rivalry, I think, probably than than the Adelaide clubs. Oh, is it? Yeah, I, I yeah, think okay. so. I get... Well, you're more cultured than South Australia. Well, Western you? Australia likes to think so. Well, I guess I, I'm just thinking about this because the – the uh, the showdown. You've got a manufactured club representative of a city's name up against a club that was already an established entity. Yep. I guess with Freo and West Coast, you've got West Coast are the Adelaide equivalent, but Freo's really a bit different, isn't it? Because you, I mean, and actually, that's a good question to ask you: Are Freo supporters inevitably either fans of South or East Fremantle? Uh, certainly not now because the waffle seems to be dying a slow death uh, the way it's going and kids wouldn't be able to tell you most of the waffle clubs, I don't think. But mm. I think there's two schools of Freo fan. Uh, one, like myself, that did grow up barracking for East or South yeah. um, and certainly my dad and people of his generation. Um, but then the other side of it is, and they were actually created uh, a, a little bit for this reason exactly is just that if you didn't barrack for West Coast, this is the second WA side jump on board. So, yeah, right. So you either are a, a real Fremantle person or you yeah. were just not on board with the Eagles. So there's two schools of thought, really. And there, and there also is that stereotype, of, I reckon you'd agree, Finey, that over here we have anyway, that the West Coast supporters are a, a less sort of uh, emotionally invested and and sort of passionate about it, and the Freo ones are the sort of genuine footy head types. Yeah, now, do I, you I, subscribe to that? Or? I don't actually. I think it's a it's stereotype, and it's nice to be able to play up to that sort of thing. And the other one is is talking the uh, about West Coast being the Chardonnay set, which I think came out of when there were a lot of corporate types in the late eighties getting on board uh, in the early nineties. But West Coast are, are a lot more than that. They obviously go they their appeal is across the whole state to all. All blue collar, white collar, whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of stereotypes associated with it. But I think Eagles fans would argue they're just as passionate as Fremantle people. In the early days of the West Coast Eagles, I was subject to a Chardonnay moment. I was staying in WA, working there, actually setting up a business in Forestfield. Really? The, yeah. For what the, sort of business? Automotive suspension. Okay. Don't ask. I, right. I didn't know much, but I, <laughs> okay. but I set up the business for our... You never struck me as a handyman type, to be honest. No, not no, not with a motor car, right. but um, involved with a, a suspension suspension company called Iron Man. Very good company. Now, I was invited to a West Coast Richmond game, and this was a very emotional game. And at quarter time, even though West Coast, I felt, had got the run of umpiring decisions, Mick Malthouse took it on himself to march over to the umpires and make his displeasure felt and, and known. Now, I'd been invited into the upper climbs of the corporate section of West Coast support, and it was very odd because at quarter time, we all had soft seats to sit on, and at quarter time, everybody in my section was handed a cornetto for some reason. <laughs> Sounds all right to me. Well, it's good for me because when Malthouse made himself 
you know, imposed himself on the umpires, I absolutely gave it to him. Oh, did you? Reminded him of his own thuggery as a footballer, his shortcomings at St Kilda, and his, <laughs> and his inability at that stage to take a brilliant team as far as they should have gone. Yeah. I had four or five Cornettos by the end of that barrage. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they threw the Cornettos at me. And I just said, keep them coming, you idiots. I love Cornettos. <laughs> Incidentally, when you mentioned Mick Malthouse as a St Kilda player, I've actually got a tape of the 72 preliminary final between Carlton and St, St. St. Kilda, Carlton. in which Mick Malthouse comes off the bench looking like an extra from Mod Squad. He's yeah, yeah, seriously he's got, got, got the, the biggest Afro sort of thing you've ever seen. It's he was just, not a bad player. Yeah, no, no, I, I, and he was a very good player at Richmond. He know? was anecdotally, but I believe truly, his death knell was signalled by a single incident at St Kilda where he accidentally collided, head clashed with another St Kilda player yeah. in the first half, and they both got taken off, knocked out, and he was sort of held to blame for it. Because well, who was the other one? I, I think it might have been, interestingly enough, a player called Lindsay Thomas. Lindsay played, Thomas? Yeah, he played a handful of games, I think from Dandenong or from around there, oh, yeah. off the half-back line for St Kilda. But, you know, St Kilda were down to 18 men and it was he was held to blame because of his reckless kamikaze style, which, by the now, way, is how you should play footy. Now, I just saw another one, Shane. I, like, I disclosure here, my parents are both from Perth, so, you know, I'm sort of familiar with some of the the uh, cultural nuances of WA footy. But one thing I've always found really weird, and certainly with a few of my relatives, is some of them at one stage claimed sort of three teams. They had a VFL, you know, an old VFL team that they'd barracked for and watched on the winners. They inevitably mentioned the winners. And then West Coast came in, they barracked for them. And then a few of them, and my mum's sort of almost in this boat, Freo came in and they sort of barrack for them on the weeks they're not watching West Coast. Does that still happen or have we managed? Yeah, a little bit. I think there, and it's it seems to be a bit more one-sided. I think it's a one-sided rivalry in a sense where West Coast have always had the success and they're not actually too fussed with Fremantle except in Derby Week, whereas a lot of Fremantle people will hate West Coast year-round and your second team is whoever's playing against the Eagles, right? Yeah. So I think there's a, a little bit of the, the pro-WA thing and, and we saw it recently in the last um, you know seven or eight years when both sides have played grand finals and leading into that Hawthorne grand final that Fremantle played in 2013 a lot mm. of Eagles fans were you know no worries happy enough to see a WA side win instead of the Victorians and that's basically what the Eagles were were founded on in the 80s right that yeah, yeah. it was our team and and we'll beat the Victorians every week well I, yeah i think we've found the big the biggest cultural difference between the two states haven't we finally because imagine you as a St Kilda supporter you know it's sort of i, I always find it quite amazing when a Victorian team plays a Non-Victorian team and some stupid media outlet here says, "Come on, everybody's got to get on, Victoria. get on, get behind." Yeah. I can imagine you <laughs> getting behind Carlton. It's it's, inter- <laughs> it's interesting, you know. I, I've said this before, I, I, and I think it's a, it's true. You may, and I've done this before. I might outwardly say when, say Sydney were playing Hawthorne, that I'd rather Hawthorne to win, or you know, until a game starts, I don't really know. I can say whatever I want, yeah. but when a game starts, my inner workings, my deep-seated hatreds and loves come out, and I can't, and then I really know who I want to win and who I don't want to win. Oh, really? And it's funny, because I, I, sort of growing up, I was hardwired to hate Carlton, because they were hugely successful. A lot of my friends, Barry for Carlton and St Kilda, were their whipping boys. 
And I've had situations in recent years, going back to when St Kilda were in the finals, where it was essential that Carlton caused an upset and beat a team so St Kilda would get a better position on the ladder. And I'd know that during the week. And as soon as the game started, I wanted Carlton to get thrashed. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't stop myself. There is a... Just it's it's like with cricket. Yeah, I I know who I want to win a game, etc. But when it starts, I just can't help myself. Yeah. Generally, barracking, wanting Australia to do well, even though logically I sort of there were times when Clark was captain and Smith was captain where I didn't want them to do well. But as soon as the first ball was bowled, I couldn't stomach the idea of Australia failing. I can actually back this up because last Sunday night when we were recording our podcast, we were watching the end of the Carlton Freo game. Yep. And uh, Fanny and I both huddled over my phone here and I said, you know, I said, I, c- I can't help finding myself really wanting the Blues to get up here. And he said, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I just couldn't. <laughs> so, uh, for- okay, oh, just one, one, one from me. Yeah. Just on Freo and West Coast, I've always wondered when they're both up and running, so let's say they're both on a, in a similar uh, strong position on the ladder. What's the harder ticket to get? Oh, West Coast for sure. Yeah, t- they're a much bigger club than Fremantle. Bigger membership, bigger supporter base. Um, basically for those reasons I said before, uh, not just being established first, but they're a club for, for all of WA, I think, whereas Fremantle's a bit more focused on, on particularly the I, Fremantle I, type I area. I sort of thought if Fremantle sold out, which I've seen them do, mm. you know, you, you couldn't get a, a ticket off a Fremantle supporter if you offered your first born. But I th- always thought West Coast were buyable. <laughs> well, maybe it was those messages on hold signs behind oh, the goals. Oh, horrible. Now, <laughs> now, I was going to ask you that. I thought have, they had a price. Have they been banned from Optus Stadium, messages on hold, or I'm are not, they still going around? I'm not sure. I haven't seen one for, for a long period of time. Yeah. But, I don't think uh, people had messages on hold. But anymore. you know what? They went around for oh, a long right. They went around for a long time at Eagles games, but Freo aren't... Uh, are not guilty of this themselves. They had members' equity flags behind the goals for a little while. <laughs> what the, are they? The, it's a bank, right? Oh, uh, and okay. the, the cheer squad was waving these flags. And not only did they not have dockers on them, they just had the members' equity logo in the middle, but they were white as well. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got the whole cheer squad waving 30 or 40 white flags behind the goals. Well, I was going to ask Surrender. I, I was going yeah. to ask you with Freo, why did they get rid of the green and the red? Because I, I really like the green. Yeah, me too. Um, so the green and the red, um, contrary to some opinion where people thought it was to do with the Italian heritage of Fremantle, it's actually Port and Starboard was the, uh, the right. real reason. So it's a real maritime thing, as Dockers is. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, that got, uh, I think it was about 2010, 2011, they yeah. got rid of it. Um, it was basically a, a rebrand and a marketing exercise to, yeah. to really hone in on the purple being the strongest, most sellable point. And I think uh, at some stage they were sort of rated in the top five or six uh, most identifiable brands, I guess, in Australian sport because the, of the in, purple. Oh, and then, yeah, right. As a, as a national yeah, thing. So no, they've it, really honed in on the purple. And um, it, fortunately, it they're bringing sense. back the uh, the red and green. Oh, uh, for one game against Essendon in the second last round, I think, this year. It's basically a throwback to the first home game they played at the Wacker when it's Darren Bullock went It's for because he likes it. <laughs> <laughs> what was that first time they played at the Wacker? They played it, their first home game was at the Wacker yeah. uh, against Essendon, yeah. round two, I think, in 95. Yeah. Darren Buick uh, kicked a few goals that day, but they were wearing the, the red and green on the chest and the mainly purple. I, I went over, jumper. a whole lot of us got flown over for their first um, pre-season game in 95. Mm-hmm. They played St Kilda. At East Freo, I at, think. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Um, 
Cheers for coming back. It, it, isn't it great that Frio's now been in the competition so long we're talking about Frio going back to the old days, mm. you know? And we actually we interviewed Justin Longmire on AW Footy last Saturday night and I, I sort of referred to his inclusion on the interchange bench in Frio's best ever 25. It was a pretty handy side, Finey, I can tell you. Could Clive Waterhouse get in it? I think he, he did. Yeah, he was in know. the first 18, I think, and yeah. it, was, it was voted on by fans, so he was never going to miss out, I don't think. Do you recall Frio's first win away from Perth? Oh, uh, Fitzroy? Correct. Round three? Oh, round four, it was at the Western, Western Oval. Now, yeah. I was at that game because I've got a it's couple of... Their first of, win ever. I've got a couple of yeah. Frio mates. Yeah. And a couple of uh, Fitzroy mates. Now, Fitzroy were in the death throes. There were very few people at that game. And because I went with these two mates of mine, Cooper and Gark, I decided to be the, you know, the troublemaker, the um, agitator. And I became an ardent Frio supporter. Now, I had no idea what the Frio song was. But I was standing on the, on the wing singing, Mio, 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 everybody goes for Frio, F-R-E. And it was just me. No one was barracking for them. Now, you have a look at the end of that game. That game finishes on the outer wing at the Western Oval, roughly. And when the siren went, two or three players, I'm pretty sure Quentin Leach was one of them, ran over to me and hugged me. <laughs> they, you know, it was like we did it, you know, mate, mate, yes. Did uh, was Jamie Marillo in that uh, team? I think was it Jamie Marillo kicked the first ever goal for Freo. I think he did, but he also he, uh, he played. Was it him or Todd Ridley? I'm not sure, but anyway, Marillo played a really great first quarter against Richmond, or first half in that first game. in that first game. But yeah. he got belted belted behind play and yeah. broke his jaw, I think. So he probably wasn't playing that. Well they, well, they only lost by kick, didn't they? Yeah. And, and I remember West Coast first season, they beat Richmond in their first game mm. at home, but their second game was against Essendon at Windy Hill, and they only lost that by five points. So they both had sort of fairly strong starts. We could go on about this all day, but I think we we better wrap it up and actually get onto a, uh, a preview. Thanks for coming in, mate. Also, um, and I'm assuming most people listening to this would now be aware, but Shane uh, is a regular footyology columnist. He does a column that actually is up there today on Thursday, Hit and Hope, which is a sort of look ahead to the weekend, and we're loving it. And uh, he does a wrap-up of the round uh, late on a Sunday evening. So make sure you jump on footyology.com.au to read everything that Shane Hope contributes uh, to the website, and uh, we're wrapped. He is doing that, and we're wrapped. You came on today. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm off to grab a hamburger in uh, Albert Park. 144 Bridport Street is the address you will need to go to. Quick tip on the derby, too. Who wins? Oh, West Coast for me. Far too strong for Fremantle at the moment, who were horrible in the last couple of weeks. So the Eagles by five goals. Shane Hope tipping the Eagles by five goals. As for Finey and my own selections... You're about to hear them. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Rightio, uh, no Thursday night games. We've seen the end of them uh, very quickly. Does Thursday night football work? Yes. Yeah. It's more a TV thing, though, isn't it? Yeah, obviously, because the crowd last week, for example, wasn't yeah. very good, but it was a great game, and I think a lot of people watched it. Yeah. yeah no, That's something GWS we're talking about. I wonder if they might sort of keep them non-Victorian from now on. Anyway, well, time will tell. Uh, round 16 kicks off on Friday evening at the MCG. Hawthorne taking on Collingwood. Uh, replay of the 2011 preliminary final. 
what happens? Yeah, oh, gee, interesting game because Collingwood really are in a bit of a tailspin. Tailspin? Yeah, I think so. Bit harsh, isn't it? No. I mean, lost what two games? Yeah, but look, Nathan Buckley put them on notice two weeks ago. Said that yeah. they're just not playing well enough. Mm. Uh, I would say a loss to I, no. I think losses to Fremantle and a thumping at the hands of North Melbourne. Fremantle here in North Melbourne, they are their issues. Oh, they got issues. No, I'm not. I'm not sort of downplaying. And for, and for the first time since their climb up the ladder last year to. Premiership favourites, mm. there are genuine questions as to whether or not they are a Premiership contender or a top four team. I mean, yeah, what's well, all about the hunger, isn't it? I mean, they've patently lacked hunger. Oh, look, I mean, there's a, as we said on Sunday night, it's been it's been coming. I mean, since I reckon their last you know complete performance was when they beat Brisbane at the Gabba, which was round five. You know, so um, they've been sort of doing it in bursts. Um, Too many players comfortable with themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I guess I don't know. Well, do you think what happened last week is sufficient wake up call? That's for a them? thing. That's a thing. They haven't had the spotlight put on them. They they avoided the burn after the Fremantle loss, mm. put down as an aberration. Yeah, and not so after the North game. I think they can bounce back because Hawthorne are some weeks they're honest. Some weeks they're there for the taking, but even when they're playing at their best, they're not imposing. So Collingwood would have to really be off their game again to lose. That's how I read it. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, gee, Hawthorne. Stratton comes back, of course. Yeah. They, they were they were a bit stiff last week, the Hawks. I mean, what they, was it 9-17, I think, they kicked? Um, and that's not begrudging West Coast. Are you either, saying West it? Coast pinched it? No, no, they didn't, but... Um, you know, look, the scoreboard sort of says Hawthorne had the bulk of opportunities. I thought, you know, in the realms of Hawthorne performances this year, it was one of their best. Um, but I think you're right, too. I think there's you look at them now and there's a certain level they can get to and, and no higher. Um, and I, I think the Pies might be aroused from their slumber, as it were. Um, so, who Who orchestrates their win if they are... Awoken. The one problem is that there is a real question mark. Ben Reid's not going to play. Yeah. He's injured. Whether Mason Cox is a reliable goal-kicking forward. And I think the player, probably if you point the finger at the comfort zone, would be Jordan Degoe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just but I, a bit lackadaisical. Yeah, yeah. And he's been copying it a bit uh, in the media. I'd say more, though, the midfield, because I reckon their midfield, it's starting to rack up the touches without having a lot of impact. And I think Trelaw's a bit guilty of that. And Sidebottom and Pendlebury, I mean, they for so long have been the drivers to the pies. And they haven't had anything like the sort of influence you'd expect them to have for the amount of touches they get. So I reckon the, the midfield will sort of get the requisite kick in the bum and sort of pull out a vintage um, Collingwood midfield performance, which should be enough to give them a win. So I'm going for the Pies. I'm You're going, going for I'm the going Pies. i the Pies. All right, let's move on to Saturday. Again, uh, back at the G, Essendon and Sydney. Interesting matchup, this uh, Bombers and the Swans at the G. Um, Lucky break for both teams. I know this sounds odd, mm. but both of them, with Sinclair and Bell Chambers out, would have been, and need to consider it for the coming weeks, 
what they're going to do with the ruck. But Essendon doesn't really need to do anything this week. They can go with McKernan and Hooker yeah. because Sinclair's not playing. Well, yeah, there's this sort of whole uh, domino effect right throughout the structure. I was thinking about this because, um, you know, Warsfold thinks, OK, do I bring in Zach Clark or go with McKernan? I suspect it'll be the latter. And then you go... Well, I thought the choice was between Zach Clark and... A ladder that they had sort of sitting yeah. in the... Or cardboard cutout, yeah, as just, Mick just, Malthouse once famously yeah. said. I don't know if you need Zach Clark in the two. But if McKernan uh, stays in the ruck, uh, does that mean Hooker goes forward? If Hooker goes forward, does that leave the defence shortchanged? Can the defence be shortchanged because Buddy Franklin isn't there? It's sort of like this whole series of, well, if they do this, do we do that? It gives Francis more of a raison d'etre. Yeah, and he needs that. He's, I've got to say, he's been had a disappointing year given the great strides he made at the end of last year. Um, by the same token, some of the Essendon young players are really acquitting themselves. Well, one guy I thought was terrific against GWS and didn't really get sufficient kudos for it was Mason Redmond. He's been outstanding in defence for the Bombers. Um, I thought Kyle Langford, I, I know I love him, but you know Kyle Langford, uh, I thought had a fantastic last quarter last week. Darcy Parrish has been really solid. Uh, Guelphie, at the time of talking, there's a fair chance he'll come back into the side along with Jake Stringer. Stringer coming back is a big one for the Bombers too. Yeah, of course. Should we not, in these politically correct charged times that we live in, should we not call Mason Redmond Mason Native American? <laughs> yeah, can make him change his name by depot. Yeah, no, I think I think he's okay. Okay. Um, I think pretty sure those sides haven't played each other at the G since two thousand and four, and I know I know this because I was doing some stuff with the Bombers. Uh, I think they've played twelve times at the G, and Sydney has won once. And it was back when uh, Dick Reynolds was in the side. So it was a fair while ago. Sydney, I think, have won four of their last five at the G. Um, and the Bombers uh, the Bombers are sort of getting back to that nasty little thing of playing the, all their best footy at Docklands and not so great at the G. Although they have had a couple of reasonable wins earlier this season. Look, Sydney have been in pretty good form. They've won... I think five of their last seven now. Um, certainly back in finals contention. The Bombers, uh, they had the downer against West Coast, but there's a few wins surrounding that now. I think three three out of four. Um, oh, tough one to tip this, but I'm, I, I think Essendon's good enough to win. Okay, my feeling in this game, and it's only a, a, a sense of, without giving you any statistical proof, is that, Sydney, when you we saw them two years ago, you give Sydney a sniff to maintain that magnificent run of finals appearances and they rise to the occasion. I, I get a sense that they are rising to the occasion as we speak. Mm. Whereas in the last couple of years, I just get a sense with Essendon, as soon as they start to put some wins together, they feel too comfortable with themselves. Mm. That They have not completed the contract, whereas Sydney relish the opportunity. Whether the bright lights scare the Bombers, some teams, you know, when faced with real do-or-die games for the eight, buckle. Sydney doesn't. I tip them because of their more professional way of handling 
the situation that both teams find themselves in. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, absolutely justified. Uh, let's move on to Gold Coast versus Richmond uh, Saturday. Afternoon. Gold Coast, I'm done. I mean, You're tipping Gold Coast? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> You'd <laughs> love me to do that, wouldn't you? Uh, well, I wouldn't complain. Um, I saw the end of the Carmichael Hunt uh, game uh, the other night. I'm trying to remember. Oh, I think the Suns posted it. Jeez, talk about being desperate for inspiration. Uh, that was up at uh, Kazali Stadium, wasn't it, which is Cairns, uh, 2012, seven years ago. Um, gee, that's gone quick. Anyway, um, no chance of a repeat. No, you can't be kidding. Richmond, yeah. uh, no, Richmond, they... have, Richmond have pointed the ship firmly at top four and Gold Coast uh, anchored in Wooden Spoon Harbour. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing, it's just little things at Gold Coast. I think one sort of positive thing they could do is get rid of those away jumpers which look suspiciously like a box of washing detergent. Um, don't you reckon that sort of light blue with the label on it? It's like, you know, Biozet or well, something. You prefer their home jumpers? Well, they... they large, large fries, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The golden arches. Yeah. Well, why, uh, why don't they get proper jumpers? I mean, Port Adelaide looked a much better team when that 10-year-old girl designed yeah, the jumper. Yeah, well, okay, well, that's a good, good competition they could open on, on the coast, isn't it? Get the local kindergartens to... Do a competition to design our new jumper, but seriously, first they'd have to explain to the local kindergarten who, they who are. the Gold Coast Suns. <laughs> They'll be designing basketball tops, and yeah, oh, I, have we got a triathlon team now, a, a, a Ironman team? <laughs> oh, come on, they're an easy target. But I'm telling you, if you have a look, that's at a lot, good, that's a good jumper for them. What white with a yellow and red bullseye on it? Because they are an easy target. Yeah, well, they are an easy target, but uh, at least they wouldn't then look like a box of washing detergent. All right, so both going for Richmond very easily. Yep. Um, yeah, Lynch to finally kick more than four goals in a game. Yeah, he started to... Oh, Against a, his old team. I got a tweet, I think, from Footyology contributor Dylan Leach asking me... No, it wasn't. It was from... Uh, it was from Damien Gibson, another footyology contributor, wanting me to ask you why you hated Tom Lynch so much. He reckons you give it to Tom Lynch every week. Because he has not, he, he has an uncanny ability of kicking three or four goals a game, regardless of the fact that he often kicks them in the first quarter or the first half or doesn't touch it in the first half. He does not fulfil at the moment... His ability. And, and, and against St Kilda, again, he ran on at the end of the game. Mm. But I, really, at the moment, I find him disappointing as a footballer. Okay, well, do you ask the same questions of Josh Bruce? No, because, I mean, Josh Bruce came to St Kilda for nothing and has been a, a, a hearty contributor ever since. He's not a goal kicker. He came as a backman. I mean, so many times he's up the ground competing and really putting his body on the line, mm. but he costs nothing. This is, you know, wait for age type stuff or wait, you know, pay for, pay for performance. This was the number one targeted recruit last year mm. or the year before by, by the Premiers. I mean, they came out after they won the Premiership and, and identified him and then the year after they got him. You've got to deliver on your on the expectation. I mean, he, he's been he was named early in his career by Dermot Brereton as the best forward in the competition. I, mm. I, I think you know St Kilda picked up Bruce and Membry from other clubs 
as cast-offs almost. Yeah, I, I reckon he's going all right. I, I reckon he might have been a fraction too harsh on him. But anyway, in a, in a nutshell, uh, can Richmond win the flag? Yes. Yeah, I reckon they can too. I reckon they're. A, do you reckon they're a bigger threat than GWS? Yes. So do I. All right, we're both... But not as large a threat as Geelong or West Coast. Probably uh, equal with Collingwood. Yes, I agree. Uh, disturbing the amount we're agreeing at the moment. Um, all right, uh, time to go to the showdown on Saturday. It's between... pronounced hoedown. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, are they going to have some country and western square dancing or something? Ever or... been to Adelaide? Yeah, no, I'm not. I like Adelaide. I reckon it gets a bad rap. I, I, I go a there really a lot. Spot. I go there a lot. Yeah, you don't like it? Yeah, I do like it. Okay. But I don't go there for the... I don't I don't hoity-toit with the Barossa Valley set. Okay, you're you're more a port, sort of, you know, down-to-earth type. Um, I'm at Angle Park, generally. Angle Park. Is that Angle Park actually in the city? Yeah, Anglevale. Just... Oh, that's Anglevale's a suburb, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, okay. So, you know, when you... Or Gawler. I go there for the dogs. Yeah, when you're young and um, in the newspaper game, I don't know about these days, but back in the old days, you used to inevitably get put on to subbing or editing the racing results. So you got to know the geography of Australia really well, you know, Angle Park. And and these days, doing the late show on RSN with Kevin Hillier, it's the same. And and not only in Australia, you get to know every racetrack in South Africa and England and Hong Kong. I can name you, you name any track... In Australia, I can name you where it is. I can name you every greyhound track in Australia. All right. I'm very happy for you. We're not doing that on this podcast. I'm just saying, I can. And I never worked on a newspaper. Cannington. WA, one of three tracks. The other two being the southern track of Mandurah and the northern track of Northam. All right. No, I'm impressed. Um, There's only one definitive... uh, uh, There's only one question I want a definitive answer to. Did the monkeys used to ride on the greyhounds? Yeah, they were... they were an exhibition. Now, I'm not going to go through all the jokes we did, but they were an exhibition <laughs> brought out from America by yeah. an, an empresario who tied capuchin monkeys to greyhounds and sent them over hurdles. And there is footage on YouTube, not yeah. of them racing in Australia, but of them being trained by the American uh, entrepreneur. Yeah, and there's photos too, which I want, once won me a considerable amount of money when I had a bet with someone who just refused to believe that it ever happened. And yes, we did what I thought was a reasonably amusing routine about the um, stewards room, about the stewards room, the monkeys, uh, the monkey jockeys protesting about a result and then being dragged into the stewards room by a monkey wearing a pork pie hat. <laughs> Can you do the voice again? <laughs> <laughs> That was the complaining monkey. The more serious chief. You're... <laughs> Can you do the PA announcing that the protest is dismissed? Ladies and gentlemen, please note that the protest on race number three, monkey hurdle race, has been... <laughs> has been... <laughs> that was for all the monkey. A lot of monkeys went just to bet on the races. I mean, people just think that they... Jockeys, but of course the jockeys had families and Melbourne Zoo let their monkeys out for the night and they were betting... Peanuts. They were, and then uh, when as they were cleaning up the track after you did see all these monkeys scavenging on the ground looking for tickets. Yeah. That, you know what name is given to a person who scavenges lost TA or TAB tickets yeah, that are uh, discarded? I used to know, but I and forgot. And it was made illegal. What was it? Emus. Yeah, that's right. Why was it made illegal? Well, because it you're by the strict definition of the law, if you find something that has been of value that has been lost by somebody yeah. or accidentally thrown away, 
you are by law compelled to hand that into a police station. It's not yours. Finders keepers is not in fact a legal legally binding or legally or a legal practice. You hand it to the police and if they cannot find the rightful owner, it's then handed back to you. Whether it's fifty thousand dug up from a train station, as has happened in Melbourne before or a ticket at the TAB. It sounds like you might have discovered that through bitter personal experience. I have been to the police about a ticket that was not found on the floor. You know, they've got these betting terminals. Yeah. $437. And I had walked away just for 20 seconds, and somebody saw that balance, printed out the ticket, and scarped and went to another TAB to collect it. You know who it was? They brought him a suspect and said, Chief, I've got, I've got the guy. It wasn't a monkey. <laughs> All right, let's get on with it. Well, if that person's listening, I need that money. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, we've had some uh, diversions in this show, but that's probably up there with the best of them. All right, showdown. Uh, Adelaide, Saturday, what happens? Adelaide, Saturday. I'm tipping Adelaide yeah. because I know Port will bring back in potentially big-name players like Rockcliffe, Westhoff, Pal Pepper. Yeah. But there's, there's another a reason. one too, I think. There's four, was there? There's a play? reason they were dropped. Yeah. Good reason they were dropped. In fact, the first week they were dropped, they beat Geelong. Adelaide, welcome back. Tom Lynch and Miller. Ryder's the other one. He, he will not come, come back. I'm okay. Guarantee you that. Like I said, it was good last week. Probably their shining light against the Bulldogs. Yep. Adelaide. You know what? I think Adelaide are the better team. I know you throw form out and showdowns and derbies. I don't know if you do anymore. I I, I think that's a bit of a furphy because now go on. Sorry. Well, one of the two teams will win, and they're both. Yeah, thanks. They're that's both. Well, very both insightful. of these teams have shown form. Geelong were beaten by Port two weeks ago. Yeah. So they're certainly closer, closer match than Frio and and West Coast. I, but yeah. I, I say Adelaide. I, I say Adelaide. Yeah. No. I, I thought Adelaide. Did you? I thought Adelaide were pretty reasonable against Geelong. Did yeah, you? yeah, they were, but Port beat them. Geelong. Are you, yeah, are you saying that home ground is such a? Yes, I am, and you huge, say it every week. No, I'm saying, but it is, it is so huge that Adelaide's perform. I'm not saying this is wrong. Oh. Do you think Adelaide's performance was better than Port's against Geelong? Uh, no, no, but it, but it was not far off okay. for me. Here's the other compelling. Well, well, I mean, look, Adelaide are at home this week, so they should win. Oh, good one. Um, here's a compelling stat on this, though. The last, uh, how many? Three, six, eight. Adelaide's won seven of the last eight showdowns. Yep. So, so it's a pretty good record. You can have a bit of a hold over the opposition. Yeah. No, I, I think they're the better side. I, and I think they're the fractionally more reliable side, too, which isn't necessarily I, saying a lot. I'll tell you who was poor last week. Who's that? Willem. Will, Willem who? Willem Drew. Uh, that's that's disappointing. Because he'll be Willem in the twos this week, I think you'll find. How did Butters go? Can't believe it wasn't his best game. Can't believe it Can't <laughs> believe it was Butters. Yeah. Uh, did everyone know him? Everybody knew it was Butters. Everyone knows it's Butters. That's me. Okay, so you're going for the Crows? I am. I'm going for the Crows. All right, we move on. Saturday night, Marvel Stadium. Western Bulldogs taking on Geelong. I... I See, I believe tipping should be incentivised. In fact, I came up with a tipping concept. I think it's brilliant, but I'll play cards close to my chest and maybe Footyology can offer it next year. You see, this is a game. 
just as an even money bet, you've got to pick Geelong. They're the best team in the competition. I love their premiership prospects. But the Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium with really good form coming in and uh, just they've relit the flame of desperate football that is hard to play against are going to be a ferocious opponent for the Cats. Mm. And I think they're going to give a great account for them, of themselves. I'm tipping Geelong because in the end, I think Geelong can withstand the early ferocity and as the game tends to in the second half open up and quality shine, I believe Geelong will give a good account of themselves and win the game. But gee, if it was, you know, if you got three times the points for picking the Bulldogs as you did the Cats, I would make that brave selection, but not at well, you're, money. You're very taken with how they performed in the wet against Port last they week. They were fantastic. But they, isn't their sort of profile this year of a side that's sort of fairly unreliable? Like a lot of teams in that sort of part of the ladder. Yeah, but I think they're playing quite well. Yeah. Do you not feel that they're playing well? Well, some weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess even in the loss against Collingwood the week before, they were pretty reasonable. I mean, their, their big issue is sort of I mean that game not making enough of the amount of ball I get. That's the thing. That game in the end might be their downfall against Geelong as well, which happening as Collingwood they get a lot of inside fifty, but because it's not terribly quick, the opposition defence Collingwood were able to sort of rally numbers and in the end the game opened up a bit and Collingwood had more firepower. Now Geelong's got much more firepower than Collingwood. Yeah. So you have to tip for long. Yeah, you do. I concur. All right, uh, showdown. And we had a, a big sort of de facto showdown preview earlier, so we won't sort of labour on this. But um, what do you think happens in this one, Finey? Look, this is – and you know what? I probably should have pressed Shane on this. This, to me, for, for many people – we're doing the derby now, aren't we? Uh, I'm, I'm still calling it derby. Okay. For many people, it's the battle of the two WA teams. Yeah. For some, it might be, if Sanderlands plays, the battle of the two returning great ruckmen. But you know what it, what it will always be for me? What? The battle of the teams with the two worst club songs. <laughs> that no yeah. matter what happens, you will be treated to an atrocity at the end of the game. You know what? Yeah, I reckon I just about agree. We should have it's, asked it's Shane appalling. what he thinks of the Dockers. It's on. Appa- this is the, the state, of the vulgar boatman. This is the state that gave us in excess. When I was in WA, as yeah. I told you, yeah. I saw in excess play at a pub. It was a great pub because it was like three levels and you could look down the barrel. It was like a hole in the middle of it. Yeah. And I saw In Excess live in WA. Yeah. And the Dugites were from WA. Yeah. Driving in my car. They they probably wrote these club songs. Yeah. They are (laughs) such bad songs. But West Coast will sing those, their horrid song with the ridiculous line. Now they've got the spoken word bit at the start of it. Did you know that? What's that? Well, the Eagles players have added this sort of spoken word intro like the North Melbourne one because what? it only goes through it. Well, it only goes Where through the Eagles. Seconds. Yeah, before that. What could they possibly say? Uh, oh, we apologise for the song you're about to hear. It's n- terrible. No, it's got something about all you... I, I love the second verse of their theme song they, they never sing, which is about all you wise men from the East and but something about an eagle's feast. We're the big birds of the big game. No, we're the big birds, kings of the big game. What's that about? Well, they're kings of the biggest game. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
so that is a famous. That's a, that's song a vulgar of the boatman. vulgar boatman. Yeah. You know what? Any person who has ever bet knows that because. In the days before there used to be 30 different race meetings on, yeah, 3UZ as it used to be, or 3DB back in the day, used to have to fill the gaps between races with obviously the cheapest available tracks. So often, they used to play that. Often in between races. That was the Volga Boatman. Now back, right, halfway through the Volga Boatman, racing Murray Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the really sort of disconcerting thing about the Freo song is that I don't mind the song of the Volga Boatman. It's got a certain epic theatre quality about it. You know, Freo, he... But it's a really, don't you reckon there's a really uncomfortable switch to free oh way to go? <laughs> we are the free oh dockers. It's sort of like mixing their eras really badly. Anyway, this has been a very comprehensive um, preview of the derby. Importantly, Finey, the overall record now is 29-20 in favour of the Eagles, but they have won the last eight derbies, derbies. Yes. Are they going to win this one? And a ninth. Yeah, same for me. Uh, all right, they are Saturday's games. Sunday kicks off with Carlton taking on Melbourne. Another interesting game, is it not? No, Carl- not really. You think Melbourne will be comfortable? Uh, no, not necessarily. No, you're right, it is interesting. You see, if Cripps doesn't come up, they were so they were excellent against Fremantle. They were they? sensational. But it's the sort of... Um, Emotional kit bag reach that's hard to do week in, week out without yep. your top players. Yep. Oh, and they're coming back from Perth, which yeah. physically can be pretty taxing. Do we not find do we not find teams lifting that first week when they're stricken with injuries, but the week after it's a harder ask? Yeah, well that's true. What about the record of sides going into their fourth game under a caretaker coach? I couldn't caretake less. <laughs> well, we, we talked about Geelong uh, coming off the bye and then second week off the bye and then we've talked about, you know, first week with a caretaker coach. What is the record of caretakers in their fourth week? Care? Yeah, no, I, I don't care that much. Either. Um, Max Gorn not playing would be a problem for Melbourne. He's definitely out, isn't he? No, but he's unlikely. Right. So... They're not to be trusted, of course. Mm. And this is a game that Carlton... One thing Carlton has done under David Teague is be five goals down in each game. That's true. Is that they really, can, um, is that really a, um, a, a war- an asset? No, it's a, it's a concern. <laughs> I would have thought of being five goals no, down. No, it's a worry. Yeah. They could have won all three, of course, against yeah. the Doggies. They came back twice. Yeah. They can't rely on late... Heroics to win them games of football, so they need to engage earlier on. Yeah. But I fear that they just don't have a forward line that can kick a winning score. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. So Melbourne for you. Yep. Melbourne for Hang on. me. Ever since we've hit the front, you just copied my tips. No, I've gone for Essendon and you've gone for Sydney. Oh, that's right. So we're even again. Well, we oh, will be. Oh, very presumptuous <laughs> of you. All right, uh, <laughs> North Melbourne taking on your Saints. Uh, what happens there? Well, first of all, you know what? They sent the Gilda to Shanghai. Yeah. Then Townsville. Then Townsville. Then a break. A quick visit. A quick, you know, um, whistle stop in Melbourne. One night only. That should have been the sign up on the 
up on the hoardings at Marvel. In Melbourne, for one night only. <laughs> it's like the band from Blues Brothers. Yeah. And now we're off to Tasmania. Yeah. We are cannon fodder. We just get... But it's sh- your former home. <laughs> well, yeah. The, well, the state. Not Hobart. No, not Hobart. Uh, I think we played a home game in Hobart. Dubai? You know, when that when everybody was having a go down there. I think we played Fitzroy there once. Oh, in the 90s, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is not going to end well for St Kilda. Dean Kent's out for the year now. Yeah. Geez, they've had some bad luck on the injury front. Yeah, it's not going well. It's not going well. North Melbourne, on the other hand, they're a chance to make the eight. Why would they slip up against St Kilda at their beloved Blundstone? They won't. Is it beloved? Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, they lost this year there. Got a pretty handy advantage there. Yeah. Um, Do you think North are a realistic finals chance? Yes. Chance. I'm told. Yeah, go on. There's a group of teams going for eighth, isn't there not? Uh, Yes, a very large group. Maybe seventh and eighth. Yeah. But if you say that Frio's one of them, Essendon's one of them, and Sydney's one of them, then surely North Melbourne's one of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, because Hawthorne are not. Yeah, no, I think I was thinking about it last night. I think North and Sydney, so those two immediately below outside the eight. Are, are you confusing them like John Longmire did? No, no, um, Essendon and who's immediately above Essendon? Uh, uh, this isn't going well. Um, I think of all. Richmond? Lo- uh, no, Richmond are in the eight. Yeah, but they've got the lowest percentage. Yeah. Um, Port Adelaide, I think. Uh, Essendon and Port. Yeah. Immediately below them, you've got uh, you've got Sydney North, uh, the Bulldogs, St Kilda. Um, I think Sydney and North have definitely got better chances than the Bulldogs. I think St Kilda. Oh, Bulldogs. St Kilda's out. St Kilda Bull- may not win another game. Bulldogs have got a tough draw. Bulldogs have yeah. got five top eight sides in their last eight. Of that, of those teams, North seem to have the momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we give you reckon St Kilda a cactus? Oh, they're pretty. They're pretty. I thought they're pretty reasonable against Richmond until last. You know, yeah, you know, fifteen minutes. Really, when you're up at half time and they kick seven straight to half time, and yeah, a lot of St Kilda supporters were saying at last we're kicking accurately. Well, just hang on, wait till the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> ten ten, they ended up on. They, I, I was disappointed in their lack of. Any adventure or or going down the guts and taking the game on in the third quarter. Yeah. I just felt it was a, a, a meek surrender that was always going to end up in, a, in an avalanche. I didn't like the way they played at all. All right. So we're going for North. Apart for the first 10 minutes. We're both going for North. Oh, yeah. All right. Final game. Now, this is a really good game, isn't it? GWS taking on Brisbane. Best oh. game, biggest game of the round. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And uh, who would have thought that would be a possibility at the start of a season? Certainly not the 400 paying customers that go to see it. <laughs> great um, great test for the Lions. One that I think they can pass. I really think that they've hit some form in the last couple of weeks. Now, this is an upset that I'm tipping. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I've just had a bit of bad luck in these games in that a couple of times I've tipped in upset. Keep tipping the loser. No, upsets away from home, except for Essendon West Coast. Well, Essendon got thrashed. But I've been beaten sort of on the last kick in a couple of these games. Yeah. And I think this will be a very close game. Can Hipwood parlay 20 good minutes into another good week? History says no, but that's okay. Is that Was that the word you were kept using every five seconds last week? No, parlay? Frank. Oh, Frank, that's right. 
How is Frank? Frank parlez-vous français? Yeah. I think they. I think Hipwood can't be relied upon, but they have players that can be relied upon. What do you mean Hipwood can't be relied upon? I mean, so guys kick five goals. Cut yeah. him some slack, will you? No. Okay. I'll cut him slack when he does it a few weeks in a row. You're tough on him because you love him so much. Is that? I think can he's brilliant. I, th- yeah. I think he's great. It's tough love. I think it's great, but Brisbane supporters can tell you more than I. But his yeah, game he's a, was he's a tease. His he's game tease. was inconsistent. He was dropping. He was dropping sitters. Yeah. On on the weekend. Yeah. What about Cam Rayner? He's out oh, of he's, sorts. I think he might get dropped. Well, geez, he, and he's already been dropped a couple of weeks. Oh, ago, look, he's only he? young. I would yeah. Cut him some. Wilf Slack. Yeah, no, he just looks... Poor um, old Wilf Slack. No, we're not going on another Do you know who Wilf Slack was? Uh, Rugby player? No, he was an English (laughs) cricketer who I believe got killed playing cricket. He he went and played in Africa or something. When is he? He got hit over the heart with a ball. Oh, really? I I reckon he did. All right. um, I hope I... We'll check that. Yeah, yeah, we will. Um, We're... After we talk about the actual game, um, I think I'd be more inclined to agree with you on the upset possibilities had the Giants not lost in a very galling manner last week. That was a bad one, and we talked about it um, in our round 15 review. You know, this is why I think they can't win a premiership. They just lack they lack that sort of little bit of killer instinct you know they're not when the game changes profile they can't match the change so when things are running their way and sometimes they can do that for the whole game and play lovely football and coast to coast type footy Mm. great Mm. but when the profile of the game changes and it becomes a dour battle at the end or a team comes at them and they have to switch from an attacking free style of football to a to a match-winning or match-saving mode, they don't seem to be able to do it very well. Yeah, and no, I agree. Uh, nonetheless, huge game uh, if they lose. They'd, well, actually, Brisbane, if they lose, Brisbane takes their top four spot. So there, there is massive stakes in this game. But I, I think that kick in the pants last week is probably enough to see them home. And can I, can I give an example Stadium. of that? Yep. Zach Williams is a very good footballer, but he doesn't seem to understand what time of the game it is sometimes. You know, he gets a ball and he just starts running. And there's a time when, in that game against Essendon, when he got the ball and he maybe sort of looked sideways or backwards and taken some of the speed out of the game. Mm. But he only added to the problem and that's not good enough for a top player. Yep, no, fair point. Um, So you're going the upset Brisbane. I am going for the home side GWS. So we have two different findings. So... You might be. You might have resumed your lead, or I might have a lead of three. Or this is where maths isn't my strong suit. Or it'll suit. be the same. We could split them, and it'll still be one the difference. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Or one of the games could be a draw. No, don't worry about it. No, let's not. Uh, all right. That is previews with punch. Time to move on. On footyology, the final word. Rightio, competition time, and uh, last week we asked you to send in your entries of footballers doing ads badly. Obviously, that was the attraction, and we were flooded with responses. Finally, I didn't realise there were so many ordinary footballer commercials. Um, some of the best 
coming off regional TV. So uh, thanks to everyone who sent in their entries. Uh, you've been perusing them. What have you come up with? Some beauty. So we've got a winner, but here are a couple of runners-up as well. And I think Shane Hope, our, and by the way, you know, Shane, thanks so much for coming in. It was great to get a bit of insight into the Derby. And this one is from WA. And I reckon it's an absolute ripper. It's from Jordan. And he says, I have vivid childhood memories of being of this ad being played during the delayed footy coverage when there were only four TV channels in country WA. Only four? Yeah. That would have, I think they were doing well. It was in the early 2000s, and it was Glenn Jakovich advertising water tanks. Have a listen to this. My family's worked the land for generations. I know how important quality water storage is. Why take chances? The best tanks are made by West Coast Poly. The best materials and superior manufacturing process make them virtually indestructible. And they're made by a WA company right here in WA. But I reckon the best thing about West Coast Poly is their name. West Coast Poly. Expect nothing but the best. Ah, uh-huh, West Coast. Hey, why did it No, I thought it was Poly Farmer. Well, I, I want to know why it cut to the SEN weather in the middle of it. I don't know what was more annoying, this loud blowfly that was a feature. We, we want to make it sound yeah, it was like... it pretty subtle, wasn't we it? We want to make it sound like country <laughs> WA. Bzzz, I, thought it was, I thought it was an ad for Peebo. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that it was the SEN yeah. weather jingle, wasn't it? I thought, I thought I was about to do the weather. <laughs> well, do it. Go on. I used to just make it up sometimes. That's right. And you used to pre-record it and, and bugger off for a dart. Yeah, it'd be like the middle of the night. I'd go, uh, tomorrow, this is in winter, I'd say... The best materials and superior manufacturing process make them virtually indestructible. The weather tomorrow, we're expecting a low of 14 and a top of 57. <laughs> <laughs> so so right. make, make sure you take your radiation suits to work with you. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that was a good. And one. if you live in a volcano, <laughs> <laughs> what else? Did that you was have? Jordan Bell. Okay, that's so, the WA name. Bell. Uh, got any other good ones? Oh, an absolute couple of rippers. Now three rippers from Robert Dobbin. From the he works for the Salvation Army. Oh yeah, actually, uh, just before you say that, Robert sent us a lovely email. So um, thanks for your support, mate. Really appreciate. it. I didn't think you'd like it because I'm not going to play this one out of respect for you and I know that you and many people suffered with the Essendon situation but there was a great Essendon's logo that year was whatever Whatever it takes takes, and they had a great whatever it takes ad including this rather sus bit where they speed up the tape so it makes it look like an Essendon player is running at superhuman speed (laughs) (laughs) it's more audio than visual so I I left that one out okay he's got a couple of other beauties from regional Victoria now the good people at Swan Hill decided that because it's called Swan Hill, they had to get Dane Swan to do the ad. Oh, what a wink. Why not Stephen Hill or Brad Hill? <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's in Victoria. This is the ad for Swan Hill. G'day, Swanee here at the Pioneer Settlement. Stepping back in time to Bush Ranger days. Just like Ned Kelly, the paper said I was a bit of a bad boy. It's good to be wanted. Visit the Swan Hill region and tell them Swanee sent you. Only well, time for one take? Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, very timely too. The papers certainly have said uh, in the last few days that you're a bad boy. So uh, I reckon the, the, he, put the, he put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what was the other one from Robin? <laughs> These are great. There's two. Now, one of them is completely visual, so you need to go and check up Joel Selwood for Geelong Travel. 
Will play the one with his wife, I think it is. Yeah. Where, you know what? Everything that Joel Selwood has done on the football field yeah. is full of merit. Yeah. Except anything connected to footy has been full of merit. Yeah. Except this. So, babe, I've got <laughs> something to tell you. Yeah. It's been happening for some time now. Right. Go on. And I can't <laughs> keep it a secret any longer. A secret? It all started when I was booking a honeymoon with Stu from Geelong Travel. Damn you, Stu. He's just so easy to deal with. And one thing led to another, so I'm definitely going. You're leaving me for Stu from Geelong Travel? Um, no. I've got us two tickets to the Geelong Travel Expo. <laughs> At one point there, he's hard of hearing. He's, he's repeating everything she says. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, but my uh, my alarm bells went off uh, when she said, Babe? <laughs> <laughs> Who directed that? The director from Geelong Players, amateur acting, and, I think and seen and cut. I think I've seen the other one. Isn't he in a pilot's uniform with a model plane? Just go... Yeah. Is that with Scott Selwood or... Or him. <laughs> Is it double take Joel Selwood? Oh, oh I think it's the, or le- Adam Selwood. the lesser ad gets the or lesser tro- Selwood. <laughs> That's it. That's the other ad. And no, you weren't you didn't mishear. That is Joel Selwood impersonating a plane. All right, so our Incredibly winner. better better acting than the first one. Our winner. Okay. So our winner and I love this. And thanks everyone. I really love these entries, so keep entering. Now this has been sent in by um, McGraith, is his surname. Tom. Tom McGraith? Yep. I think I'm pronouncing it. I hope it's not the same Tom that sent me the filthy email last week. Why not? It wasn't <laughs> filthy. <laughs> oh, go on. Was it, it yeah, was, yeah, yeah. We dealt I with that. I hope it is that, Tom. Okay, there's some things to, to feature here. This is the worst scripted ad I've ever heard in my life. It contains Grant Thomas... Mickey Conlon. Oh, God, so they're old. Trevor Barker. Mm. But they're sort of all announced in the ads. Yeah. And a fourth player in a Bulldogs jumper who is spoken to but not named is Mark Kellett. Mark Kellett. Former St Kilda player. Former base player out of Mio 245. Not that, was that a, Mark That Kellett. was a different Mark Kellett. Um, do you think the script writing here was done? I reckon it was done on the way. It's done in club rooms. I reckon the script writing was done on the back of a, a piece of like the back of a bit of a newspaper, back of a tote ticket. Well, I don't know, Mark. Perhaps we better listen to the ad. Thank you, Rowan. Yeah, I don't mind doing these promotions, but I wish they'd pick a warmer night. Yes, it was a lot warmer driving over here in my car. What type of car are you driving, Mickey? I have an Alpha GTV, Tomo. Yeah, I've got an Alpha too. What type of car are you driving, Bucks? I've got a BMW. Yeah, I've got a BMW too. Where did you get yours from? I got my car from Dion Amon. Really? I got mine from Dion's. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, that's where I got my car from. Gee, you have some great cars there. I've got a Holden Commodore, Mark. I have one too. Mine is from Alan Mance Motors. Gee, they've got some great cars there. Roco, 
Mine is from cheapest oh, used we get cars. It. We get it. Okay. I mean, fair income. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like the way, you know, Mickey Conlon almost sounds like Don Bradman in that. Yes, I have one as well. <laughs> My vehicle is also from Dion Amon's. Have a li- Can we just play that again? Oh, I can't. Oh, I just want- listen to Mickey Conlon. All right, all right, all right. Is he from 1933? Yeah, all right, come on. Gee, I don't mind doing these promotions, but I wish they'd pick a warmer night. Yes, it was a lot warmer driving over here in my car. What type of car are you driving, Mickey? I have an Alpha GTV, Tomo. Yeah, I've got an Alpha too. It sounds like he drives a Wolseley. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You remember I- Bradman, don't you? Well, a little bit before my time. No, but they asked Don Brad. He was leaning on his bat up yeah. at one end of the wicket. I'm often asked, how is it that I make such large scores? <laughs> it must be remembered that all innings are made in partnerships with other batsmen. And I give them great credit for some of the larger scores I've scored. Except Jack Fingleton, who you hate. Yeah, yeah. Um, all a little right, bit so, too Protestant. For uh, yeah, so our Protestant. winner our winner is... Or Catholic. I think Fingleton was a Catholic. Yeah. I should get it right. Our winner is... Jack Fingle, no, the winner is Tom McGrath. And he wins? A limited edition. Andrew's Hamburgers t-shirt and cap. But that's not all, Mark. That's not all, Mark, because he Wait, also... Wait, there's more. <laughs> there is. Um, he also wins, and uh, thanks again to our new sponsor on board, Argon. 100% organic cotton. He wins an Argon sports towel, Uh Market value thirty five dollars. I've seen these things, and they are beautiful and uh, very nicely packaged as well. Um, of course, Argan uh, Fair Trade and Global Organic Standards certifi- certified uh, bedding and bath essentials, pillowcases, fitted sheets, and duvet covers, face towels, gym towels, bath towels, and bath sheets. And uh, we are going to have a very very special grand final. Uh, prize courtesy of Argon. So thanks for coming on board, guys, and of course our existing wonderful sponsors in Andrews Hamburgers and Nick Spartels and Hardwick Bilco. I have been told what the Argon Grand Final Prize is, and I am going to get my wife to put it in yeah, Andrew, no, well, under she's, a different name. Well, she's, she's not going to win. Um, That's it. It's going to be a great prize. Well, well done. Thank you, Argon. Yeah, we'll give you details in weeks to come. All right, what is this week's competition for? This week's competition, we were talking about Frio's jumpers sort of evolving from green, red, white and purple just down to white and purple. Mm. And there have been some terrible jumpers in the past. And we'd like you to submit the worst jumper ever worn by a football team in a pre-season or AFL competition game. Now, we've learnt in recent weeks that people are sending images and links. Obviously, this is quite visual, but we'll be able to describe your entry. But we still want a visual representation. A visual representation. And give a little explanation why. Yeah. I mean, can I give you mine already? Yep. Essendon played St Kilda. Essendon were wearing something with silver. Oh, yeah, not good. But it wasn't picked up on the TV. I couldn't... Luckily, I think that was... You know, I think that was one of the games where Essendon laid over and... I've never thanked you for that, by the way. Remember, last time St Kilda made the finals, it was because Essendon lost to them intentionally by over there. 100 points. It was Adam Bramanaskis's last game. Yeah, thanks for that. They laid down that game as well, but I didn't know the, I didn't know they were playing, really, because of this strange silver jumper. Yes, not a good look. No. All right, so send us in your very worst examples of AFL jumpers. Send them to info at footyology.com.au. Our uh, judging team will get on the case. We will select the winner, and they will win 
a cap and T-shirt from Andrews Hamburgers and one of these beautiful handcrafted sports towels from Argon. And again, we thank all our sponsors for their generous support. This has been a marathon episode of Footyology. Uh, it's been a fun one, though. Uh, big thanks to Shane Hope for coming in for our special media watch on the WA Derby. Hopefully, um, people who listen to this recognise that we're not just obsessed with the Victorian football season, um, the Victorian football scene, that non-Victorian teams are very... Uh, big in our consciousness and uh, good luck to your side this weekend hope they get a win and you know we always leave you with a song and uh, we've been talking about club theme songs uh, we talked about Fremantle free appropriating a classic so well, well, as a thank you to Shane who barracks for free a thank you to Shane we're not going to give him the tacky Fremantle football club version we're going to give him the real thing and uh, we'll see you on Sunday night with our wrap up of round 16. See you later. Oh!